You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer, as always, here with you. A very big midweek pod here, a loaded one. Obviously, as you can imagine, dominated around one topic, really one position and one player. That is Sam Ellinger. What are realistic expectations out for the second-year quarterback making his first career start, not only on Sunday against the Commanders, but realistic expectations for now the rest of the season, the 10 games he will likely start this year. Also, too, what should the Colts do? What should they, if you're a Colts fan, do you want them to do well and kind of make a platform, or are they better off kind of tanking? And also, too, speaking of tanking, trade deadline is on Tuesday. Should the Colts sell? Should they be stays you know stay where they are right now and not be buyers but also not be sellers we'll kind of discuss the future of the Colts here all throughout the next few minutes or so but George we can't talk the pod with anything else it took us forever to get this podcast right and I had technical errors our producer had technical errors uh, your side as well all three of us had our own different issues if this pod getting it started is indicative of how the Sam Ellinger era is going to go here for the Colts it's gonna be a long 10 games that is for sure it feels a lot like the state of the team right now, right? I mean, the Holy Wi-Fi at, at your place was was sort of the offensive line, and then we had other issues going on <laughs> everywhere else, and I uh, just couldn't get around it. Just couldn't get anything going. Uh, so we kind of, I guess, we sympathize right now with the franchise today. We we know how it feels. We know how it feels to have just leaks and holes everywhere, and you can't stop them, can't plug them up. It is a uh... That is for sure. But we are up and running, at least so far. Fingers crossed we can get through this entire pod uh, in one piece and not have anything kind of go off the rails here. But now that Sam Ellinger, George, is the starter, is a starter for the rest of the season, he's making his first career start on Sunday again, really getting his first actual playing time uh, out of year number two now in the NFL um, for the first time. What should realistic expectations be? What should Colts fans expect? What are you expecting now from a guy we've seen play well against third and fourth stringers in the preseason, but really have not seen him against any sort of stiff competition before? Yeah, I, I honestly, I feel like we're going into uncharted territory. And, and from that standpoint, it's intriguing. I, I don't really have a lot of expectations at this point. Um, I think the Colts have to feel like they're making this move with a chance to to boost this offense. I mean, you look at what the season's been so far and what we've talked about week after week on this podcast, defense is playing well. They're not playing at a championship level, but they're playing at a playoff level. They're playing well. Uh, they're, they're getting the job done more often than not. Special teams has been better more often than not. Uh, obviously an issue with the punter on Sunday in, in Nashville that kind of got buried by the news on Monday. Uh, but aside from that, the special teams has been pretty good considering everything that happened on that side of the ball 
with the injury to Rigoberto Sanchez, with the change at kicker. I think they've come through pretty solidly, and, and more often than not, given this team a chance to win, the offense, on the other hand, has been the opposite. You know, more often than not, they have been the downfall of this football team. Outside of the Jacksonville game, when they put up 34 points, they've been, you know, bad more often than not. Uh, I think you could fourth quarter against Houston, you know, parts of the game against Kansas City. But on a consistent basis, this is a team that can't score. You're seeing it. They're 30th in, in points in the league right now. Uh, you're never going to survive like that. Um, that's not something that's going to to end up working in your favor. Um, you know, I think there's only two teams scoring less points than they are right now in the NFL. That's not where they thought they would be. And so I think this decision, now that we've had 24 hours to kind of digest it after the emergency pod yesterday, I think this 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 decision in my mind is a desperate attempt to try to fix the offense. They've done just about everything else you can do. They've They've gone through every imaginable combination of the offensive line. There's probably a couple more left they can do, but it doesn't look like that's getting anywhere. They've, they've gone to a no huddle offense and tried to spark things that way. And it worked for a week. So now they're looking at the turnover situation and, and 12 of the 14 turnovers are on Matt Ryan's shoulders, whether that's, you know, totally on his plate or not. We can get into the arguments about everything going on around him, but he is responsible for 12 of the 14 turnovers. I think now you, you try to slide Sam Ellinger in there and, and see if maybe he gives you the boost you need on offense. I think most people would agree if this offense could get into the 23, 24 points per game range, this is a potential playoff team. You know, that they need that kind of a boost. That's a touchdown more than they're scoring now. It feels like I said this to you on a text earlier today. Feels like, you know, you're watching a 1980s action movie and the bad guys hold all the cards and they're, they're trying one desperate plan but everything has to go right to save the day. It feels like that's what the Colts are doing here. The problem for them is it, it rarely, if ever, works in real life. It works in the movies, right? That's the whole point of, oh, you need everything just to be timed right in. Wow, look at that. You know, James Bond saves the day. But here in the real world, you're right. When you kind of need every single card, every single play and week and, and outcome to kind of go your way, it's almost like George... You know, what we've been talking about the last like four or five years of this team where you dig yourself in such a hole that they need every break to possibly go their way in 2018. It did go their way. Really outside of that, the Colts have been unable to dig themselves out of an early hole. And you're right, even though their record is not like what it's been in, in, 20, uh, in 2020, uh, 2020, I should say, excuse me, or in 2018, it's still to the point where now it's like, you're right, you need every kind of break to go your way. So especially too, when you talk about like expectations for Sam Ellinger, it's really tough to ask him to kind of, like you said, come in right away and basically provide that immediate spark where you're now you're basically asking him, do, you know, help this offense get at least a touchdown better than what they have been. It sounds like, oh, that's not that big of an ask for how bad this offense is, but I don't know if, if he's the guy to do so. Because at least for me, I again, we've seen very limited, you know, amounts of him against most of them in the preseason, but even kind of the way you look at it, how he played at Texas. I feel like I see a lot of Justin Fields in Sam Ellinger, and here's what I mean by that. If you watch Justin Fields at any point so far in this first year and a half in Chicago, especially too, if you just watch, I think one game kind of epitomized it. If you watch that Monday night game, Bears Patriots, which just happened a few days ago, you see Justin Fields. He is really not any sort of threat with his arm. He can throw the ball around a little bit, okay, but he's a bigger threat to the defense with his legs. He's a bigger threat rolling outside of the pocket. He's not a pocket passer, and he's really someone that has no anticipation whatsoever. He's one of those guys, kind of like a lot of college quarterbacks. You have to see the guy open. 
before you throw, you can't anticipate he's going to be open to throw to a spot and have that receiver be there. He's one of those guys that has to see them open. And that usually leads to a lot of sacks. Justin Fields, number one in the NFL in sacks right now at 27. Uh, a lot of interceptions, which he's struggled with. You know, low completion percentage because if you're waiting that long, defense are going to sit there. He's one of the worst completion percentages in all the NFL so far this year at 55%. And you look, he's a guy who's completed 76 completions so far through seven games, 68 rush attempts. So it's almost a one-to-one comparison throw to run. So he's not throwing the ball a lot. And he, he makes most of his plays and it does most of his damage to his legs. I think that's where we're going to see more from Sam Ellinger this year, where he's someone who's very athletic, obviously way more mobility and way bigger threat than Matt Ryan will ever be at any point in his career, um, especially this behind this offensive line. So he should be able to make more plays with his legs. He should be able to roll outside the pocket and make things happen. But it's kind of like with Justin Fields, a lot of his success is almost predicated on, can you make that first guy miss? Because Fields is back there a lot. And if he can make the first guy miss, he goes down. But if he can kind of break contain, that's when either with his legs or throwing on the run, that's where he's most effective. It's not the most, you know, effective offense in the world because the Bears are not exactly lying at the scoreboard whatsoever outside of that Monday night game against Patriots. At least for me, you know, without seeing a lot of Ellinger so far, especially against good competition, that's how I kind of would imagine him looking so far early on, doing more damage with his legs and with his arm and being more comfortable and a way bigger threat outside of the pocket than it would be inside kind of sitting there just throwing BBs all around the yard. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's probably the the ceiling. You know, that's probably the the better outcome with him right now. I, I tend to look at it more like a Tim Tebow situation where you're going to run around and, and, you know, make plays with your legs and just sort of surprise the defense every now and again with a pass. Um, we'll see, you know, that that's where I put it. I don't know because I'm, I'm in the same boat. You are, we have a very limited uh, sample size here to look at, you know, I mean, you, you've got the preseason games, which again, don't mean much to me. Anything that happens for the third quarter on in the in a preseason game, I'm really not dialed into maybe some individual things here and there, but, these guys haven't schemed to, to defend this offense. They're not high caliber defenders to begin with. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's backyard football. I don't know how else to explain right. it. It's backyard football. Like and I think that's why you see guys like Chad Kelly and Sam Ellinger and Philip Walker and Steven uh, Moore. Was it a, a few Morris, years ago? Morris, 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 Steven Morris. From Miami. Know, that, that's why, that's why these guys have success in those, kind of situations because they're really good backyard players. You know, they're, they're the guys that you get in the huddle and Hey, you go and, and cut at the car and, and you go run over the, <laughs> the manhole and I'm going to hit you here. That's, that's their game. And that's what the preseason is in a lot of ways. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the regular season where it is, you know, there is a scheme against you. Uh, you are playing against the world's greatest athletes. Even Washington has some of the best football players in the world. That's that's how it works. You know, that's how these 32 teams go. These defenses are all amazingly good. Uh they're they're all highly talented, fast, athletic guys and you don't see that in the preseason. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um I think the Colts are trying to go with the trend. I think the trend in the I don't think the trend in the NFL, the trend in the NFL obviously is towards more mobile guys. You know, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, um, that's what you're looking for. Even Patrick Mahomes, who's very good when he has to throw over the pocket, is still more dangerous when he gets outside the pocket and buys some time and throws the ball across his body 80 yards somehow perfectly in in on target. I, I mean, that's he's one of a kind. Yeah, but that's for sure. You know, even Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts, who will do a lot with their legs, 
and will hurt you with their arms. They're running offenses closer to what you see on Saturday. It's closer to a college offense. We're not to the point yet where they're not huddling and they're, they're getting plays off the card. I mean, Chip Kelly tried that and it failed miserably at, at this level. So I don't think you're going to get fully there, but you're definitely moving more towards that fast paced mobile quarterback hit you dual threat, hurt you with your arm and your leg. But like you said, I think there's a big difference between Jalen hurts and Justin Fields running those, those schemes right now. And I think, Ellinger's going to fall closer to the Justin Fields line. I think he's behind that. I really, again, to me, it's Tim Tebow 2.0. That, that's what I see here. High character guy, great leader, every intangible you can think of. Everybody off the field loves him. He's probably the teammates are going to get behind him. But physically, can he do what he needs to do to stretch a defense, to hit, you know, a 50-yard pass play to, to Paris Campbell to, to, you know, take the top off a of defense? I don't know. And I think what's going to come down to, I, I look at the offense they've run the last two weeks with Matt Ryan, and I don't think it's a coincidence it came in at this time because it came at the same time that Sam was elevated to number two. And, and I think it's a system that theoretically could highlight what Ellinger does in terms of quick passes, short passes, not asking a lot of him from a you know arm strength standpoint, but it's going to come down to two things, and, and you highlighted both of them. That, that we've not seen from Justin Fields, and we'll see whether we see them from Sam Ellinger or not on Sunday. Anticipation, you know, he's a, he's a very bright guy. We all know that. He knows this offense. He's got it down. But can he see it in real time on the field? He can draw it up on a, on a, on a whiteboard. I have no doubt about that. But can he physically see it in the moment and get the ball out ahead of schedule? The timing aspect of that Frank Reich offense, can he, can he do it? We'll see that. And then secondly, accuracy, you know, can he do all of that? Take in all the information he has to take in at the line of scrimmage, process it all the way Matt Ryan has get the ball where it needs to go. I mean, we can argue about Matt Ryan for all we want. And, and we know the, the downfall, nine interceptions, three fumbles, absolutely unacceptable through seven games. It's probably the biggest reason he's on the bench, but he also was 33 of 44 on Sunday on a bad day. Because more often than not, he's putting the ball where it needs to be and moving the chains. It was all the negative plays after that, the sacks, the penalties, his own issues that, that were slowing down the offense. Can Sam Ellinger be as good as he was in those other areas of the game? That's the question to me. Can he consistently read the defense correctly, get the ball out on time and in the right place? If not, I think you're still going to have all the other issues with sacks and, and turnovers and you're not going to have that accuracy and the ability to read them quickly. We'll see. I don't know. And that's the, the such a tough part of, of that basically Sam Miller is being put into. It's not like an easy spot for him whatsoever. Like he's coming in now to a situation like you just mentioned. You have to absorb all that information in the span of two seconds, make a decision, know where to go with the ball, know what the defense is doing, have the arm strength, have the accuracy to know, you know, where to put the ball in the right spot. And also, too, like, you know, I think the just that's why I kind of like this Justin Fields comparison is because he is someone who's super elusive, super athletic. But the reason why he's been sacked the NFL most and somehow more than Matt Ryan because he holds on to the ball too late and doesn't know where to go with the ball after his first read is covered. And that's one of the biggest differences between the college game and the NFL game. We saw Sam Ellinger at Texas, for the most part, have some pretty good success, a little inconsistency there. But one of the big reasons was he had time and the, the speed of the game is just not as fast and not as, you know, the, even the ability for defensive coordinators to catch up on tendencies is not as fast as it is in the NFL. 
So even if we see Sam Ellinger have a really good game on Sunday against the Commanders, where he's, you know, making some good throws, making plays with his legs, rolling outside the pocket, like defenses will pick up very quickly. Oh, this is what this guy does best. So how we're going to make sure he flushes the other way or keep him in the pocket or take away his first read. Like you mentioned it too. The Colts offense right now is not explosive whatsoever. Why? Because they can't protect. And even Matt Ryan doesn't have that right now enough time or even Armstrong. I hate to say it, but that's, you know, you see some of the throws deep. It's a question for sure to push the ball down the field. And what did the Titans do? The Colts had a lot of success on the short passing game against the Jaguars. They were passed first. It worked. Led to season high 34 points as we know they won the game. Very next week. Why they only score one touchdown? Why they only score 10 points? Because the Titans said they can't throw the ball beyond 10 yards line of scrimmage. They picked up on that, and they made a switch to their defense right away where they took away the quick passing game. They made sure Matt Ryan's going to be under siege, and it worked. So, like, that's the thing with Sam Ellinger, too, is however this game goes on Sunday, it's almost just kind of like, okay, especially if it's good, it's like, great. Like, that's a nice first start, but now can you repeat? Like, that's the hardest thing young quarterbacks will have uh, to deal with is repeating their success because tendencies get out quick. Defensive coordinators watch a lot of uh, film and quickly. And then two games, three games, the rest of the NFL will know what Sam Ellinger does well. And also more importantly, what he doesn't do or try to force him into that. And that's what's going to make his job so much harder because you talk about this offensive line and we were kind of talking about before the show is like, the, here's a question that's realistic. And again, it's kind of crazy to say because Sam Ellinger, one of his big attributes is his legs and his athletic ability. But will this offensive line give Sam Ellinger even enough time to showcase what he can do. Like we have our own doubts about his passing ability and winning within the pocket. We'll even have time to show whether he can actually make a throw in the pocket or not. It's something that we haven't really seen much from Matt Ryan. He's more mobile than Matt Ryan, but that still doesn't mean that he'll be able to still have the time to make, you know, even just go to his second or third read because right now we've seen this offensive line at each position just get blown up and not be able to protect. That's uh, to me, you know, I look around the league right now and, and you look at what's going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and what's going on in Tampa Bay with with Tom Brady and the Bucks have, I don't know, a thousand injuries on the on the offensive line, it feels like. And, and Green Bay as well. I mean, Bakhtiari was out, I, I guess, 90 minutes before the game on Sunday, uh, you know, and, and you see they're they're more effective than Matt Ryan has been. I think Brady has eight touchdowns and one interception uh, right now through seven games and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is 11 and three which are numbers that you feel a lot better about, but their offenses are not, I think they're 26th and 23rd, I want to say, in, in scoring offense. Brady's team is 26th, and I believe Rodgers is 23rd, yeah. and neither one of them are, are at 20 points a game. And that, that goes back to what we're talking about here. There are certain things on offense that have to happen that even if you've got the greatest of all time and Tom Brady behind center, you're still going to struggle if you're not able to, A, run the ball, which Tampa's 32nd in the league, at three yards per carry doing B give your quarterback a little bit of time. I think when you look at the offenses that, that really work in this league, a lot of times, not all of time, all the time, they're multiple. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. You know, if, if Patrick Mahomes has to go to a quick passing game and, and go short and take it, he's shown he can do that if he's got it. But you know, if not, if you go and take that away, he's going to throw the ball over your head. And you've got to have both those tools in your basket. You've got to be able to run against a, a, a good run look. You've got to be able to, you know, grind out a game when when it's necessary and and win that way as well. And I don't I think the Colts right now, the margin for error on offense is just too small. There's just not if if, if one thing goes wrong, we talked about it after the game on Sunday. A missed face mask blew up that game because and why were they so upset? Because it was second and twelve now instead of first and 10 down at the 10 
if you're an offense like a Kansas City offense where things are are going well and your quarterback has time and you can do a lot of different things, you're not worried about that. You're going to go pick up 15 yards on the next play anyway, and who cares? But if you're the Colts right now, it's crippling because now all of a sudden you're behind the chains. Now the rush knows that they're going to throw the ball. The free rusher comes through. Matt Ryan makes a bad decision. It's a pick six. The Colts lose the game. That's how tiny the margin of error is. And I feel like with a rookie quarterback, it's hard for me to imagine that improving. But we'll see. We will definitely see. And you hope the one counter, I guess, to that is that his mobility for Sam Ellinger, you can escape the pocket or maybe, again, make the first guy miss where Matt Ryan could not do that. And then you give yourself a chance, like you said, on a free play or a play where you're outside the pocket to make plays. But then again, also to like what we're saying, defense is going to pick on that, pick up on that very quickly. So it goes back to being multiple and being able to succeed in many different ways. Sam Ellinger has to be able to get the ball quick and have a good quick pass game like Matt Ryan did for the most part of this year. He has to be able to take care of the ball, which Matt Ryan has refused to do. And he also has to be able to show you he can kind of like any throw on the field. He can beat you outside, but also beat you in the pocket. You have to be able to win, like I said, in different ways. And just that's just throwing the ball. Forget about winning, you know, running the ball, throwing the ball. Like if you just you have to win multiple ways, being able to just pass the ball specifically with having an effective short game, which to the Colts' credit, they have had an effective short game. The issue for them is there is absolutely no deep threat whatsoever. So that short game gets suppressed and it gets tougher, you know, tougher sledding because you have everyone on defense within 10 yards line of scrimmage. And now all of a sudden those lanes and those windows are smaller and or non-existent because everyone knows what you're doing. And that's part of the reason why I think this this switch is made, like we were talking about before, in case you missed it. We did our emergency pod on Monday, so make sure you check that out in case you missed it, our uh, initial reaction to Matt Ryan getting banished for Ellinger. But that was kind of the part of the reason why we're saying, like, this Colts offense just feels like the definition of insanity if you don't make any sort of change because you're seeing the same thing over and over again. They can't throw the ball deep. They're trying to throw the ball short. They can't protect. And right now, all the short throwing lanes are getting clogged up because the defense has zero respect for the deep ball. So you, you hope Sam Ellinger can bring some sort of, you know, the mobility at least maybe eases some of that tension right now and, you know, maybe pushes defenses back a little bit. That's really like where the Colts are kind of banking on the success coming from. Like, I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be coming in here and be like Patrick Holmes throwing the ball 50 yards on the field. It's going to be his ability to make plays with his legs and extend plays outside the pocket where then you can hope, you know, he can throw the ball 15, 20 yards down the field for an explosive play because otherwise – we kind of highlighted on the postgame pod on, on Sunday against the Titans, George, there's zero explosion anywhere else on this offense. Right now, it's really on Sam Ellinger's legs and arm because Jonathan Taylor is no running lanes for him to go, and there's no real deep passing game whatsoever. And I think that that's you know, one of the biggest things I think that's going to be a determining factor in, in you know the level of success Ellinger finds is his ability to throw that 50-50 ball. You know, because he's going to be able to get outside the pocket and buy some time. Can he put a ball up and, and, and place it properly so that, you know, a guy like Michael Pittman, a guy like Paris Campbell, a guy especially like Alec Pierce can go up and get it, you know, make a play on a 50-50 ball. That's where the only big plays I can see coming are going to be. Like you said, he's not going to throw that 70-yard dart down the field. That's That's not who he is. But can he get outside the pocket? and make a catchable ball on a 50-50 ball that, that a guy like Alec Pierce can turn into a 30-yard game. Because if you can do that four or five times in a game, then you can kind of get that defense to soften up a little bit, open up more of that quick passing game, and be a little more successful with it. Um, I, I don't know that he can. I think that's going to be one of the biggest factors out there, though. Can he get out there, throw on the run? You know, Ryan really can't do that. That's not his game. It's never really been his game. Can he get out there and throw on the run and, and, and make a catchable pass in, in that kind of situation? 
it's a lot to ask of a guy who's making his first ever NFL start. It really is. Uh, I know that Marcus Brady said on Tuesday, kind of to your point, that they think that that Sam's running ability and, and you know doing some more nakeds with him and doing some of those kind of things might open up the running game a little bit as well. I think they're looking at Philadelphia in, in that kind of thought process where Jalen Hurts' runs and, and really Baltimore too, where Lamar Jackson's running ability opens up some more things for the running backs. You know, maybe you work in an option, you know, kind of a, of an element. It's not going to be an option offense, but you work in that element into the running game and see how it goes. Um, but I just, you know, at the end of the day, it, you can, you can put all the bells and whistles on there you want. And you can try all the other things with the option and the quick passing game. If Ellinger can't, Four or five times a game, push that ball downfield. Like you said, defenses are just going to sit back on it. They're going to use their speed and their aggression, and they're going to shut it down just like Tennessee did on Sunday. You are 100 right about that. It's that's going to be a you know a huge key for him on Sunday and also going forward for sure. Last thing here, George kind of put a bow in terms of expectations for Sam Ellinger. Just overall, Joe, like we'll kind of break down the Commanders matchup specifically on our preview pod on Friday. But the overall season thoughts here for Ellinger. I think another way, too, for him to have instant success and, again, just put this offense in a better position to succeed compared to where Matt Ryan was, obviously it's very simple turnovers or really lack thereof. Like, we talk about the number of turnovers Matt Ryan, 12, right? But also, if you look at the opportunities, he's had 11 fumbles. Now, somehow, I still don't know how the, the Colts are able to recover eight out, of the, uh, eight out of the 11. It's a miracle. But you add in 11 balls on the ground plus the nine turnovers, Matt Ryan in seven games has put the ball in harm's way, has given the defense an opportunity to take the ball away 20 times, basically three times a game. If you're Sam Ellinger, I think the first thing you got to do, even before you worry about pushing the ball deep or trying to get the short passing game, you cannot give a defense three different opportunities to make a play to take the ball away and kind of change the game. Like even if this Colts offense, worst case scenario, does not improve, you know, drastically and really cannot get much more going than what my, Ryan was uh, providing for them. If you are able to cut down on the turnovers, if you are someone in the camp of at least hoping that this, this cold season is still salvageable and not going in the tank, I think that's one of the areas you can look at and kind of hope that, okay, if Ellinger bare minimum just prevents the turnovers and let's say cuts it down to, I don't know, one opportunity a game compared to Matt Ryan's three, that should just help the Colts offense be, like you said, in a little bit better position to succeed for an offense like you just mentioned, I think you're spot on with it. They can have, they basically have to be perfect for them to score a touchdown. They have can't have anything go wrong. And we know Matt Ryan is far from that, especially in the turnover department. Yeah, to me, that's the main reason this move's being made. I don't think that's a mystery to anybody. You know, the, the turnovers are what's driving this decision. I mean, obviously Ryan's injured as well, and they want to take a look at Sam Ellinger. Uh, if they felt like Matt Ryan was the guy they wanted to bring back, I think Nick Foles would be the starter right now. The move to Sam Ellinger is telling you they want to see what he can do. They, they hope that he can give you the spark. And it, it comes back again to those turnovers. I mean, that that's absolutely unacceptable. Like you mentioned, 20 turnover, 20 chances for a turnover. And, and again, the, the fumbles they're recovering, what is that leading to? Second and 17, third and 19, you know, fourth down. Right. One of them was on fourth down and, and the team got the ball back. I mean, it, they recovered the fumble, but it was still a turnover because it was fourth down. You know, I mean, right. um, and a shorter field for the other. That's hidden yardage, too. I mean, how many times is that putting 100%. more pressure on the punt coverage and, and, and all those kind of guys? But it, it brings me to a question that we kind of were, were talking about here at the top, too. The expectations for Sam Ellinger, but we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday as well, is what's it going to take for him to be the guy in 2023? 
you know, what kind of record do you need? What does his numbers need? So let's just say that, that what you were talking about happens. Let's say that the, the primary improvement that Sam Ellinger brings to this football team is, is ball control that he he's not turning the ball over. It, it goes from tw- three chances a game down to one, one a game. The offense is more efficient as a result, but the score, they win a lot of Denver games. It's 12 to nine. You know what I mean? 13 to 10, 17 to 13, these ugly wins. Is that enough? If he goes six and four and they're averaging say 18 points a game instead of 16. Now defense is playing well enough. Is that enough for him to be the starter in 2023? I go this far to your question. If it, if that's really the only improvement, this offense, it's now more explosive and it's really just taking care of the football. And they're still, like I said, they're winning games, ugly more on the defensive side. Honestly, George, I don't even care if Sam goes eight and two or nine and one. I think you got to make a move to not bring him back. Well, like I, I think at this point, like, I would almost say record be damned. Like if he goes, let's say two and ten, but let's just say this offense all of a sudden now is explosive. It's look like it's almost like a Philadelphia Eagles because I, I really like that comparison too. And he's kind of looking like Jalen Hurts where he's making good throws. And let's just say for whatever reason, the defense for how great they've been through seven games just goes to crap and they can't stop by doing the Colts are losing games. I don't know, most most time 34, 31, 28, 24, but you see a real spark in offense. I don't care if he's 2-10. and 10. I would consider bringing him back more than if he's 8-2. and two. But like I said, there's minimal change or, or marginal change on the offense, but it's kind of basically the same old, same old. But he's winning games, but it's still more in the defense. Like, we, like you look at the AFC, right? The Colts want to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders at some point soon. You're going to have to go and beat Josh Allen in the playoffs, Patrick Holmes in the playoffs, Joe Burrow. Probably Justin Herbert, assuming they at some point get that for the Chargers every single year, have talent, can never get over the top. Like, those are legitimate quarterbacks. They're going nowhere anytime soon. Lamar Jackson, like, you are going to now have to have a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe. And if Sam Ellinger, again, is getting you from 16 points a game to 18 points, so they're 29th or 30th in the NFL and they're like 23rd or 24th, I don't think that's enough. Even if they're winning games, I don't personally think that's enough to bring him back next year. What's your thought on that? No, I agree with you 100%. I think it should not be the record. It should be what does this offense look like? Is it an exciting offense? Is it a tough offense to defend? Is he explosive? I mean, that to me, I'm with you. If if they lose all 10 games because the defense falls apart, but he is leading an offense that that's suddenly scoring 27, 28 points a game and it looks like a completely different team, then I would I would rather bring him back in that situation than if they win all 10 and they're just scraping by and they're just you know pulling these wins out uh because the defense is is making big plays and he's just not losing the game um you could make the case that that matt ryan has lost them a couple games he definitely lost them the game on sunday with that pick six um you know i think that you know if that's the only difference that's here i agree with you i don't think that's going to be enough i think you need to see that explosive thing and i think philadelphia the reason i keep bringing them up who's the head coach in philadelphia right now Nick, Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. Who talks to Nick Sirianni every week? Frank Reich. I mean, if if they're going to look for a model to follow, and if there's a team that he's watching and, and, you know, trying to copy some of what they're doing offensively, that's the one. And so I think that's why I keep going back there. You know, I, I really feel like maybe on that, that mini buy that they had after the Denver game when everything changed, maybe there was a conversation between Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich, and maybe this is, you know, where they've been heading ever since. Yeah, it definitely, it almost does feel like not spur of the moment or emotional that they're making this move from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger now this week. Like you said, it does feel like 
when it was kind of weeks in the making, they're kind of waiting for just the right time when you move Sam Ellinger up to number two and you say, oh, it's, you know, to get him in short yardage and then we haven't seen him on the field one time. So it kind of shows you, well, that's either a lie or just, you know, they just didn't have the actual opportunity, which is hard to believe because the Colts have had, you know, opportunities where they could have used him on third and one or second and short that they just didn't want to in the last two weeks. So yeah, I, I'm with you. It's It can't be about the record. It has to be just about his play for sure. And if he's not giving you much, or even it's just a marginal improvement, like the Colts have been on the hamster wheel for quarterbacks, it's time to get off. And it, it's you can't hit your wagon to someone who's marginally better than what we've seen from Matt Ryan so far. Because even though he's three, three and one through seven games, what are we talk about the Colts have not looked like uh, a consistent team. They don't even look like a playoff team right now, even though you know the rest of the AFC is kind of leaving them in the mix. And if that's not you know that's not good enough right now to kind of hit your wagons to for 2023 and beyond, when you got to think a lot of these teams that we thought were going to be good this year. Even though they're off to slow starts, I'm sure they'll rebound. But if they don't, I have a hard time thinking they won't be as bad next year as well. And that's kind of really also where your focus has to go. Speaking of next year, George, let's get into this discussion next because I do think it's an interesting one. Se- you know, seven games in the Colts make a move, so there's still 10 games to go to Sam Ellinger. If you're a Colts fan, where do you want to see this direction go? Do you want to see the rest of the season, do you want to see them tank in order to get as high as possible to get a draft pick for a quarterback? Or are you rooting because they are 3-3-1 three, three and one, just on the outside looking into the playoffs? Are you rooting for Sam to have success and make a run to the playoffs? We'll discuss kind of the, the best thing for the Colts' future here when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. 